0: Welcome back into the NFL Report Week 9. Well, almost in the books. We have a Monday nighter, James Palmer, Steve Weich with you as always. We have a bunch of guests on this show. Former Stanford head coach David Shaw breaking down Josh Dobbs and C.J. Stroud's performances. Mike Garofolo was at that screamer between the Cowboys and Eagles, Steve. Also, Cameron Wolf is going to be breaking down what's happening in Miami, which essentially started over in Frankfurt, what's going on with the Dolphins? Oh, yeah, and Jeff Chedia and his first read column. We break it down every Monday. We have a monster slate, just like we saw on Sunday, Steve. four windows of games on Sunday we went through. Uh, uh, JP, like, who, who is feeling better right now? Like, the Raiders? Could it be Keaton Mitchell, the running
4: back for the Ravens who dominated? <laughs> you know who's feeling better than anyone besides you and me, of course? That is Houston hmm. Texas. Fourth-string running back, Ogun Bawale, who didn't get a carry in their victory, but he kicked a field goal when their regular kicker, Kaimi Fairbairn, got hurt. He came in and kicked a field goal. Not, though, this isn't why he's feeling great. He's feeling great because he finally outshone his sister, Arike, who was a (laughs) three-time WNBA All-Star. She was the MVP of Notre Dame's 2018 National Championship basketball team. So for a
0: moment, JP, Dare got a little bit of the shot. Awesome. He's a great dude, too, by the way. Bounced around this league, and it was an awesome, awesome showing to see him go out there, be a big part of this When He kicked off, too, which was incredible. But Sunday kicked off, The entire day in Frankfurt, Germany, where we saw the Kansas City Chiefs, Steve, take down the Miami Dolphins in the biggest game we were looking forward to maybe all weekend, maybe all season. And it was Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs that came away with a victory in Frankfurt. Roll that tape of Patrick Mahomes and Stacey Dales, L.C.
1: Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, you've listened to this crowd. Your first time in Germany. You're a guy who has made a lot of history. What does this mean? Listen to these guys. Yeah,
0: this was a heck of an experience. The fans were amazing. The atmosphere was awesome. Um, It was a great football game, and I'm glad we came out with the win.
1: We couldn't have imagined your defense is going to save the day, right? You, you always seem to do it. What, what's going through your mind when that happens down the stretch?
0: I mean, I could imagine it. They've done it for us all year long, and uh, people are going to recognize soon enough. Uh, we'll, we're going to keep kind of working this offense figured out. But until then, this defense is legit, it's real, um, and everybody's going to see it. All right, Steve, you heard Patrick Mahomes say it right there. And you saw on the graphic, anybody listening at home not watching, this is the fewest points per game in the Patrick Mahomes era. They're scoring on the offensive side of the ball, but he mentioned it right there. This defense playing like one of the best units in football. So it's a Monday. Let's do bigger news. Steve, bigger news. This Chiefs offense struggling for a couple weeks now, or this Kansas City Chiefs defense just on fire.
4: It's their defense. The bigger news is the Chiefs' defense, JP, and here's why. Okay. What are we talking about? The storyline for the first half of the NFL season has been defense across the NFL. We can talk about the struggling offenses, but let's give some credit to the defenses. Four or five years ago, oh, it's offense, it's offense. What happens in the NFL? The other side of the ball eventually catches up, and I think that's what's happening now, especially in Kansas City. We're seeing their defensive front, what they did to Miami. They were dialing up five, six, seven, man. Look at the blitz off the corner right here. They were super duper mm-hmm. physical. They weren't letting Tyreek Hill off the line of scrimmage. They were very aggressive, very attacking. They hit Miami in the mouth, but they've been doing this to everybody all season. So, right now, JP, it is their defense allowing 15.8 eight points per
0: game. Hey, all you need Oof. to do is score 16. That's it. Yeah, that's it. And I love what this defense has done, specifically in the secondaries. We're seeing a highlight there from Trent McDuffie, ironically enough, stripping Tyreek Hill, because remember, they used one of the picks that they got in the Tyreek Hill trade to get Trent McDuffie and ask around the league, Steve. People just rave about McDuffie as one of the up and coming top corners that can play inside, outside in this league. And to me, that secondary is young a lot of draft picks, they're growing together. And you saw in some of those highlights there, Steve Spagnolo has the ability, multiple guys out of that secondary can blitz the quarterback, so they can hide a lot of things that Spags wants to mix up. LeJarrius Sneed's a great blitzer, so is McDuffie. You saw Watson come as well. But to me, it is the offense, which is a bigger deal for me, because what? we have now seen six games this season that this Chiefs team has been held 24 points we're under, which is wild in a sense. I look at them in the last two weeks, Steve. They have not scored in the second half in each of the last that, two weeks. That makes we no sense. We were wondering at the trade deadline. That makes no sense. We were wondering at the trade deadline whether they were going to make a move. They didn't make a whole lot of calls, to my understanding. They didn't receive a whole lot of calls. They were not active. They do think they're going to get out of this, maybe like they did in the past with the way their defenses play better as the year goes on. But to me, when a team goes and shuts down Travis Kelsey, like the Dolphins did, was it three catches for 14 yards, somebody else has to step up. There's been no consistency out there. To me, what stands out the most, they relied on a big question mark in Kadarius Tony. They wanted him to be their number one receiving option. They thought they could use him in a variety of ways. It just hasn't happened. I don't even think he's in the top 150 in receiving this season. I believe he has 20 catches for 127 yards. What I do think will help them, Steve, they haven't really used Jet McKinnon a whole lot so yep. far. I think he's going to be addition to this group down the stretch.
4: Yeah, you've been talking about that for a couple of weeks, Jet McKinnon coming in the back half of the mm-hmm. season. Andy Reid will figure this out, but let's not forget, and that point told you that 24 points are 23 points a game that the Chiefs are averaging, which isn't good, that also yeah. factors in defensive scores. We just showed a highlight of the Chiefs getting a defensive score against Miami. Their offense only scored two touchdowns in that game. So I'm with you. Mm -hmm. I do think they'll figure it out. But is it going to be this bonanza of an explosive offense we've seen? Possibly not. But that's around the league. And we saw that with one of the best teams in the AFC yesterday. Oh, but the other best team in the AFC lit it up. So to that point, bigger news, J.P., that the Baltimore Ravens, whose offense you've been championing since week one, blew out the Seahawks Mm -hmm. 37-3, to or is it that the Cincinnati Bengals
0: won their fourth straight? I love Cincinnati. I love what Joe Burrow's doing right now. I think he's playing since week five like the best quarterback in football. But I'm going to say the bigger news is the Baltimore Ravens because when you have a player at quarterback that is also playing at an MVP level in Lamar Jackson, you have a great coaching staff from your head coach on down to the coordinators, and then you have balance and depth. I think that makes you extremely difficult down the stretch when we head out into November, December, and January in the postseason because you look at the depth that they've had, and one player stands out to me the most on the defensive side of the ball, and that is Geno Stone. The safety, How filling in for Marcus Williams, one of the best safeties in all of football. Had the pec injury early, now has been battling a hamstring. And what has Geno Stone done? Oh, I just have six picks in nine games, some leading the NFL. I just think the depth that they have, specifically up front getting after the quarterback, I'm going to talk about Jadeveon Clowney a little bit later in the show, but they've been able to get after the quarterback. They've been dominant in the trenches. And in this game, Steve, they ran for 298 yards against the defense we were really, really talking a lot about. With the Seattle Seahawks. So I think every way we've seen this Dravens team win this year, which is when maybe certain games the defense has to carry them, maybe certain games the offense has to carry them. That depth, that balance stands out to me as this could be the best team in football right now.
4: Yeah, in week two, the Ravens got the Bengals. They meet again in two weeks. That's gonna be a clash because Joey Burrow there. is is playing better. Right. Hey, I I love the Ravens too. I mean, I can't I can't go against you on this because every aspect of their team is rolling, and think about this. I mean, they go, you talk about their depth. They went to Keaton mm-hmm. Mitchell, nine carries, 138 rushing yards. It seemed like he's still <laughs> running right now. I mean, they mm-hmm. didn't have to, Odell get his first touchdown reception. Their defense, absolutely. They hold, I mean, they, they held the Seahawks under 200 yards. I mean, the Seahawks are not a bad team. Mm. So this is no an all-around complete team. Now, not, that's not to say styles make fights. I mean, and we think that the, 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 the Bengals... Uh, You know, they're going to be right there. But, J.P., are we missing the bigger story here? With the victory last night, Cincinnati has the Buffalo Bills at this moment out of the playoffs, and all four teams in the AFC North,
0: including those Pittsburgh Steelers who can't score, would be in the postseason. I think we are missing it. I think that's the bigger deal right now because I look at that game last night between – The Cincinnati Bengals and Buffalo Bills and Cincinnati gets out to a lead early. It's been the recipe they've been using since really on this whole run, right? Get out early, score early. They've done it last four weeks, then create turnovers and let Joe Burrow close things out. To me, Steve, why this should be maybe the biggest deal we talk about is that we know Josh Allen's playing at a high level. Stephon Diggs is playing at a high level. The offensive line is healthy and protecting Josh Allen. We know that Dawson Knox is out, but Dalton Kincaid, the rookie, has played well at the he tight end spot. He looked good last night. But this He did. He looked really good last night. But for some reason, if you watch the post-game interviews and listen to Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, it's almost like, Steve, they're asked these questions about the offensive inconsistencies that they've had throughout this season, and they don't really have answers. To me, if you don't have answers post-game and you're not really sure what's wrong, that might be a big deal.
4: You know, look, for for the teams that are just kind of going through this for the first time, you can have no answers. The Bills have been one of the best teams in the NFL for the past few years, and they have not figured out how to run the football to close games. How did Cincinnati close out that game? Joe Mixon running to get a first down to seal the deal so they could go into victory formation for Cincinnati. The Bengals' defense... Jermaine Pratt, who's now the king of the the timely turnover, he punches the ball out from Kincaid to get a key takeaway. They're making the plays that Mm -hmm. they have to make while they're still figuring things out. The Bengals aren't there yet. They're still getting better, which is why they are going to be an absolutely dangerous team. Well, JP, we also had another big game on Sunday when Philadelphia played the Dallas Cowboys. We know who won that game, and we are also – Going to revisit what happened over in Germany. We got Mike Garofolo and Cam Wolf coming up. Let's go. After the break at the NFL report, we are off and rolling.
1: You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it.
2: Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, some 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
5: What an incredible win. What an what a, uh, incredible uh, sense of perseverance and resilience from this team. Um, still have yet to play, that, uh, play the complete game. Um, and we're so hungry and eager to continue to grow and build upon the things that we've been able to do. Um, but just way to show up in the end you know obviously has some things that we want back defensively offensively um, and on special teams but it's always about finding a way
0: welcome back to the NFL report James Palmer Steve Weich with you that was Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts, and we are joined by Mike Garofalo the man of the hour who was there yesterday for the 28-23 win for the Philadelphia Eagles and Mike I just kind of want to start off with Everybody in Philadelphia, I'm getting 90 phone calls right here and text messages, that was a dirty hit on Jalen Hurts' knee. Oh, our season's over when he's limping. What is it about Jalen Hurts' knee, in my opinion, could be something that maybe nags this offense throughout the year? Is that a concern in Philadelphia being there in that locker room postgame?
6: No, I mean it's 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 nagging to him in that when he gets hit on it um, or or turns a certain way, then he can feel whatever's happening. But outside of that, he's as Nick Sirianni noted, after he left the game and came back, he had a bunch of scrambles. He was moving around. I mean, I don't know how much it affects him. It's it's he he's going to be the one that's going to have to tell you that. But he certainly was mobile after that. He certainly had uh, everything he needed to put on on the passes, the the, the touchdown to Devontae Smith which was in a perfect spot and driven to the left side of the field. Um, That was after the injury or the, the, the aggravation of the injury, I should say. So, you know, Mm -hmm. look, if you're tough and you're not going to be the guy who's going to let them see you, I mean, clearly he's letting them see him hurt right there, but uh, you're you're not going to let them (laughs) see you affected as much as possible. Well, what comes with that is basically us saying, well, he's probably affected, but we can't see it. We don't know. But for Jalen Hurts to say yesterday uh, that this bye week selfishly is coming at the right time for him, I think it's pretty clear that uh, he is affected. He is feeling it. Uh, and a week off from football activities, which the Eagles are going to try to give
4: everybody as much
6: rest as possible, will be a good thing for Hurts.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and salute to him gutting it out, guys. We've seen Patrick Mahomes play through high ankle sprains. We've seen players play through this stuff and just kind of gut it out. So, you know, again, you know, salute to him. One thing I want to talk to you, Mike, since you were at that game last night. I think both teams kind of exposed who they were a little bit more. Even at the end when the Eagles are committing penalties and doing things to give this game away, they're able to close it out with the types of plays. Where, Meanwhile, Dallas, once again in a game of inches, comes up with millimeters. I mean, what was your kind of takeaway with where things stand now that Philadelphia's got a a two-and-a-half game lead over the Cowboys? My takeaway is they could have easily lost that
6: game and we would have said, oh, look at the Eagles who fattened up on an easy schedule and now it's going to get real with the Bills and the 49ers and the Mm -hmm. Chiefs coming up, which it still might get real. I mean, I saw people declare, this is my pet peeve for the day. Is this your first NFL season? Like, How could you declare the NFC East race over? It's not over. Look at the (laughs) upcoming schedules for both teams. They play (laughs) each other on December 10th, I believe, is the date of that game. That is basically, every time you play in the division, a two-game swing. Either you separate yourself or you come closer together. At the very least, the Cowboys are going to have the chance to tighten the NFC and be nipping at the Eagles' heels as they come down the stretch. And possibly, if you play these games out, and you you do the, well, win-loss, win-loss. I don't see many losses for the Cowboys. Possibly, they could be playing that game for first place in the NFC East. So... I very much think it is still open. Uh, The Eagles, we came into the season. We looked at the schedule. We said, look at the first half, look at the second half. They better not trip up in the first half. They didn't trip up in the first half. Good for them. They have not played clean ball. I don't think that when you watch their games, you say, this is the same dominant team that we saw last year. Certainly not. And you say, well, this will catch up to them eventually. It almost caught up to them yesterday. The difference between uh, teams with a winning mentality and experience is that they make the plays when they need to make them. They made the play on the last play of the game. They've done that repeatedly. I would advise them not to be living as dangerously as they did on that last drive and maybe close it out on offense. I know offenses love to do that and get pissed when they don't do that. Um, those are the kind of things that they need to clean up, but in the meantime, they're making the plays enough of them at the
0: right time to win the game. Yeah, they need to clean that up for the really the mental health of my sister, and my father and my mom for <laughs> yeah. all texting me like complete lunatics down that final drive. And nobody in South Philadelphia can really figure out how much older they got during that game and that final drive. Mike, let's stay in the division, though, and talk about a team you really, really know really well. And now with the ACL injury to Daniel Jones, what is the future? If you had a crystal ball looking at, you know, the rest of the season yeah. and the offseason coming up about where things stand with the Giants. Well, they're clearly going to be in a position to get
6: themselves a quarterback. Um, It's a quarterback, heavy draft. We know that. How close are they going to be to Mm -hmm. number one will be determined, obviously, by what happens down the street. You also got teams with multiple picks here in the top 10 with the Chicago Bears. Last I checked, had the second and third overall pick coming up here. They're going to need a quarterback. So it might be tough to jump Mm -hmm. some of these teams, or at least even if there's a team that winds up behind you but has multiple picks, has the ammo to jump over you, so I just see what Joe Shane and the Giants uh, coach or personnel staff have been doing this fall, which is to watch a lot of these top-tier quarterbacks in person. Um, here's the difficult part for the Giants. We're now five years into Daniel Jones' career. Five years. Yeah. We have no idea yeah. who he is or right. what he is. John Mara had that famous quote, uh, we've done everything we possibly can to screw the kid up, kept changing head coaches, kept changing coordinators. Uh, Brian Dayball coming in with Joe Shane was supposed to provide him consistency, but year one of Dayball's regime, they felt like they didn't have enough pieces to really open things up. So they tried to play as smart as they possibly could. And he looked great and he did everything he needed to do. Mm -hmm. This season was about, well, well now we surrounded him with weapons. Guys aren't staying healthy. Offensive line is banged up. Nobody's performing. And now Daniel Jones suffers an ACL injury. Giants are going to have to make a call at some point and Mm -hmm. go, look, We may still have no full idea of what Daniel Jones is, but we got to move on. I I really feel like these are the conversations they're going to have. And depending on how this draft falls, if you're Daniel Jones, you hope that your replacement and everybody around them pulls out some victories and makes it harder. And they go, "Okay, you know what? We're committed to thirty five million dollars fully guaranteed anyway in twenty twenty four. So let's give them one more year. But we shall see. If they're in the mix, I think they clearly have some quarterbacks in there.
4: They, uh, they, with, his health, with his health issues, the neck and now the knee, they've got to go ahead and get a quarterback regardless of what their, his contract is for next year. They've got to go do that. Mike G, appreciate you taking the time. Remember to watch awesome. Mike Garofalo every day on the Insiders, with Ian Rappaport and Tom yeah. Pellicero on NFL Network now, and it may, NFL Plush. Appreciate you, Mike. Yeah. Well, also, is another big game, uh, another big team in the big game over in Germany. That's the Miami Dolphins. They took a loss, and it continued a narrative that Jalen Ramsey wants to hear nothing about right now.
5: You guys have heard the narrative before about <laughs> team versus... Yeah, f- all that. F- all that. F- all that. Win-win. Yeah, I ain't worried about none of that. We got a long season to play. We good. When I was with the Rams two years ago, we won the Super Bowl. We was losing the quote-unquote, good teams a lot during the year. And and people had the same stuff to say. And we, and we made it work at the right time. We just kept working and we made it click. And then stopping us from doing the same thing here, like, all that, that's just noise. We good.
4: As it was Dolphins cornerback Jalen Ramsey after his team lost to the Kansas City Chiefs over in Frankfurt, Germany. Now let's bring in our Cameron Wolf. Now Cameron was not over in Germany, but he knows all about the Dolphins. He lives down in South Florida. So, Cam, you heard after the game head coach Mike McDonald say, if you want to change the narrative, then you got to go change the narrative. Is this legitimate? I mean, are there legitimate concerns that the Dolphins are basically built, even though they don't play in a dome, like a dome football team that can't beat the tough teams?
3: Yes, yes, it's a question and it's a concern. And I hear Jalen Ramsey, he doesn't want to hear it. The Dolphins don't want to hear it. A lot of fans don't want to hear it. But the reality is, and the facts are, they are 0-3 this season against teams with a winning record. They've lost six straight games dating back to last year against teams with a winning record. Only the Bears have lost more in that span. And so that's just what the numbers tell you. They're going to have more opportunities later in the season. They play the Jets on the road. They play the Ravens on the road. They play the Bills and the Cowboys at home. But right now, that is the only question about this team. When they face these elite teams, can they do what they do against the quote-unquote struggling teams? And so far, we haven't seen that evidence. And I'll tell you what, the narrative is what the narrative is. There's going to be a lot of talk on sports shows about them being pretenders or or frauds. I wouldn't go that far, but I will tell you it's something they discussed in the locker room. I talked to Dolphins corner Cater Kogu a few weeks ago, and he mentioned he couldn't take true satisfaction on their defensive performance against the Giants because it wasn't against a quote-unquote good team yet. He said, I want to do it against a good team and beat that team for us to really feel good about where they are. So this is not just a media narrative. Part of this is you want to see yourself beat these good teams for your own internal confidence. And so I get what Jalen Ramsey saying. It doesn't uh, eliminate them. And trust me, I am not worried about them being a playoff team, a contender in the end. But eventually, they're going to have to beat these good teams to be treated like a great one.
0: And it's funny Cam when we're just talking to Mike Garofolo right before you it, it sounds and looks like a team like Philadelphia even when they have Dak Prescott staring down the you know the goal line in the end zone there's no panic in Philadelphia it seems like right they just have a feeling that they're going to win these big games against big teams and you want that feeling in your locker room the dolphins are in essence chasing that what I'm curious about and we've mentioned this on the show a couple of times I think with you Cam about kind of the physicality or lack of physicality with kind of the look of this offense, the look of the way this team is built, to me what stands out as well is with that is the struggles on third down. They go 3-for-12 in this game, went 4-for-11 against the Eagles, 3-for-10 against the Bills on third down. To me, that's a little bit of a physicality on what? First and second down. Yep. Can they play the style of ability that maybe you want to down the stretch in December when we're talking about physicality?
3: So great question, JP. The common denominator in their three losses have been they faced teams that had a very strong defensive line, the Bills, the Eagles, and now the Chiefs, and they really punched them in the mouth. Um, you're looking at this highlight here where Tyreek Hill gets stripped by Trent McDuffie. And it was so interesting because Trent McDuffie is a dog and he's a dog in the slot. And when you have that slot player that can mm-hmm. follow Tyreek Hill and get hands on him within five yards, you disrupt the timing. Tyreek Hill talked about it after the game. They had a great game plan for me, and that game plan was to get hands on him, disrupt his timing. Tua's time to throw, which he's been in the best in the league was, with one of the highest of the season, which means he had to hesitate. He had to go to his second read, his third read, and that gives Chris Jones and those boys inside time to get home for their front four. And so that's going to be a growing trend for teams who have the talent on the defensive line, but also that cornerback ability. Say, we're going to play press coverage, we're going to take our chances, and we're going to get home. And we're going to prove this until the Dolphins show they can stop it. And so it's definitely something where as we get into November, we get into December, the Dolphins are going to have to answer for it. And Mike McDaniel is going to have to use this bye week to figure out some adjustments incredible incredible it's it's one of our
0: favorite offenses to watch right guys but at the same time there's still little things in there you're seeing defenses doing putting them in a little bit of a difficult bind at times specifically when Tua has to hold on to the football cam appreciate it man can't wait to have you on next week again because he's one of our favorite guests isn't he Steve but you know who's also one of our favorite guests former Stanford head coach you got it Cam David Shaw who recruited and wanted Josh Dobbs to play for him. Dobbs had one of the most crazy weekends of the that we had, and as well as C.J. Stroud breaking rookie records. David Shaw is going to talk about both quarterbacks next on the NFL Report.
1: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better.
2: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
6: It's like if you were taking Spanish all year um, and you showed up and uh, Wednesday, someone told you, you got, you're taking AP Spanish and so until you, you have an AP French exam on Sunday um, and you got to go like execute. You know, someone's going to talk to you in, in Spanish and translate it to the French. So that's kind of like what was going on out there. Um, It was it was it was there was a lot of communication, but I'm able to process a lot of information um, and be able to react on and not let it handcuff myself and my play. And so um, it was good. It was good to be able to um, hear what he was saying. And as I'm processing what the defense is giving me and then go out and still play good football.
4: All right. That was new Minnesota Vikings quarterback Josh Dobbs as we are joined by former Stanford head coach David Shaw. Coach. Is that Josh Jobs in a nutshell hearing an answer like that?
5: There's no question about it. This kid is so bright. He's so energetic. You see his personality. You see the gravity with which he speaks. He takes everything very seriously. Uh, we had a chance to, to, uh, to recruit him um, the summer before his senior year. He didn't have a lot of scholarship offers, um, so we were hoping to get him at Stanford uh, on a baseball scholarship, maybe a partial baseball scholarship, welcome him on the team. I just figured really? for after a while he was going to earn a scholarship and join the football team. Because uh, we'd already given our quarterback scholarship away, but I felt, we all felt something great about this kid. And then his senior film got out, and he blew up, and of course ended up in Tennessee, and it's a, it's, it's a great story. But, man, I thought we had a, the inside track to this brilliant young man. Um, but I, I'm so excited for him, but not surprised about his success. You did, but you passed! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, we, we, I, I should have just taken two quarterbacks. <laughs> um but i was so excited for him and he's such a great kid of course he got these other offers and he called me said coach i'm not going to come but don't forget now our baseball program thought he had a chance to be a pro baseball player yeah they were excited about him really as well and you see his athleticism you see his competitiveness uh just so excited for him all the things that he's done so far and what he's going to do uh in his future to come unbelievable um what do he play in baseball what position I think he was multi-positional, but he could pitch. I mean, he had a strong arm, but this kid could throw from the outfield as well. He was one of those guys that had multiple tools um, that a lot of baseball programs are very excited about. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I I, I want from a, a, a
0: coaching perspective and, and a, a knowledge of quarterbacks perspective, coach, of just When you don't take a single snap during the week (laughs) and you're on the sideline and you're taking your first snap from the center, the whole offensive line is around you because they've never heard your cadence a day in in their lives and you're thrown out there onto a football field with really no understanding hardly of the offense. Can you just put that in perspective for everybody at home about what Josh Dobbs was walking into and trying to succeed in?
5: What he did was truly amazing. And as a coach, the day he, the, the moment he walks in the room, right? Okay, we got a couple of days that can be back. You first start with what's simple. Okay, Here's our playbook, or at least here's our game plan for this week. What looks familiar to you? What do you like? What do you know? Okay, they will start with those four or five plays. Okay, great. Memorize these things. And then after that, it's okay. It's snap count. Um, it's motions. Uh, it's talking in the huddle. It's being able to just spit the verbiage out. Even if you don't know what all the verbiage is, being able to hear it, and then say it in the huddle. Um, and then the hard part, <laughs> it, right? you're on third down, you have to check, check the play, you have to switch the protection, that communication with the offensive line and the running backs, that's so, so difficult. So you, uh, earlier in the week, you're just thinking about him being your backup quarterback and saying, okay, we're going to have a box for him on the, on the play sheet, just a few plays that he knows, uh, and then you get into the game. And then the one thing you do have, Um, is that quarterback uh, uh, to to coach um, communicator. And now you have been able, is the coach to say, okay, hey, this is that play that has the dagger coming from your left side, the inside-in cut with the shallow cross coming from the tight end and the post on the backside. So you can explain the play before you call it. So even if he doesn't understand the call, he can just spit it out. (laughs) But the words you gave him before you gave him the call gives him an idea of which play it is.
4: Coach, even though he's had so much game experience, and I won't say so much, he's had game experience in the NFL, is he an outlier? Because we see some guys, it takes him a year, maybe a year and a half to kind of figure out a scheme. And even though he did a lot of stuff on scrambles and things like that to make plays, is he just an outlier to be able to go on the road? Let's not forget, this was in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. There was crowd noise and things like that Mm -hmm. to pull that
5: off. Definitely an outlier. He's definitely an outlier for a guy who's an aerospace engineer Right. You know, he's bright. You know, he's smart. You know, he's got a good recall. He's got great communication skills. Uh, obviously, from talking to him, you can see that. Um, but what he did was truly amazing to be able to digest as much of the game plan as possible, make a ton of in-game adjustments. And he said something very interesting in that clip to go out there and still play good football. Right. because there's, there's a chance too for him to maybe second guess himself. And he didn't do that. He said, hey, when it all breaks down, I'm going to use my athleticism. I'm going to try to take care of the football. I'm going to try to put myself in position to be successful. You saw him break down. He didn't see anybody open. He broke out and ran for a couple of first downs. He's an athlete. Um, at some point, it also just becomes football, right? And I guess, can I escape? And I make this throw? Hey, somebody's open. I got to hit him with the ball. And he was able to go out there and do that. Even with all these things going out, you have to be able to trust yourself in the moment to make those plays and he did. You,
0: you touched on it for a second, coach, and I wanted you to elaborate on this when you mentioned things Kevin O'Connell could say to him prior to giving him the play call. I, I know Josh Dobbs went out there and played just an unbelievable performance, but from the head coach, in my opinion, and I want yours and elaborate on this, was this one of the best coaching performances we've seen this year to be able to do that to help out your quarterback? Because that part from him communicating it seems so difficult.
5: Yeah, there's no such. There's no question about it. The coaches did a phenomenal job, and I'm sure his head coach, coordinator, everybody on the staff, doing what they could to just give Josh, give Josh, just enough information uh, for him to go out there and play. You don't want to overload him. You can't give him the whole training camp playbook. You don't have time. Um, but that's why there was such real emotion uh, on the, from the coaching staff and from all those players. They knew what this young man was going through to get there so late in the week and just have a chance to, to show up and. No, a couple of plays, let alone lead live on a game-winning drive uh, to, to seal the victory. Um, the, the emotion was real because uh, they put a lot in this young man, and they gave, he gave it back to them. Um, and that was, that was just such a great sight to see.
4: Okay, Coach, we've seen Josh Jobs start some NFL games for three teams, Tennessee, Arizona, and now Minnesota. C.J. Stroud is still a rookie. He goes down there and leads the Texans to a game-winning drive. Going for a record, I believe it was 470 yards in the process. Yep. What, what, when you see C.J. Stroud, 14 touchdowns, only one interception this year. What, you know, what is your takeaway of somebody so young leading a young team and performing the way that he has?
5: Yeah, I, I had to go back and go back to my, my, uh, my report for him coming out of college, and I wrote down at the top of my sheet, composed, smooth, rhythmic, Accurate. And when you watch him all year, that's what you see. Number one, though, is composure. He didn't, he didn't play perfectly. He missed a couple of throws early in that game. He never put his head down. You never see him exude anything but positivity and energy. This young man is so composed. And then that last one, he throws the ball from point A to point B. He puts it where he wants to put it. You go to the end of this game, right? He had a phenomenal game. His, his last two throws were amazing. Um, the the, the mm. sideline throw, the deep out versus cover two. There's a corner, shallow. There's a safety deep over the top. Incredible coach, that ball, Yep, get that ball up and down. You have to get it up over the corner. who's shallow at about four or five yards and get it down before the deep safety gets over there. He got that ball up and down, and there's probably about a four-foot by four-foot area that he could put that ball. He put it there perfectly, and then the game winner was just a Nolan Ryan fastball. Um, he saw the scene. He looked the safety off, and he threw a fastball in the back of the end zone for the game winner. Um, this young man has the composure. He's got the skill set. He's got the athletic ability. He's got the accuracy. But more importantly, he's just got that comfort and feel. And the guys around him, you saw it on Ohio State. You see it on this team. They just believe this young man's going to make the plays to win the game. Um, it's been amazing, and I don't anticipate this, this ride to, the, to slow down anytime soon. He's, he's not going to get a big head. This is who he is. Um, He walks in the room and believes in himself, and his teammates believe in him as well.
0: Uh, Coach, I was told two things at his pro day by head coach Ryan Day. The two things that stand out to me the most, and I'm curious which one is maybe paying dividends for him at the NFL level the most. He said, one, he goes through his progression so well with his feet which is a big part of how he finds his way through his progressions. And then secondly, coach told me is his ability to understand the amount of velocity on certain throws with certain routes. He doesn't just rifle it in. He has such a good understanding of understanding how much he has to put on each throw regarding each throw within the progression or within the play. How are those working for him at the NFL level?
5: Those are two really big things. One is trained, right? You are trained to get your feet positioned and, a great, great quote from Steve Young. He said, my feet take me to my reads. And the best quarterbacks do that, right? They get their mm-hmm. body in position before, they, before their eyes. even. Their feet get over there so when they see it, they can get the ball out of their hands very quickly. You see this, and it's so natural for him, so easy for him. His feet go from one to two to three, mm-hmm. and the ball gets out of his hands very quickly. Uh, but his the ability uh, to put the different velocities and the different trajectories on the ball, um, that's a natural. You know, You can try to train that. But the split-second decision-making that you have to know, okay. this one's a fast, this one has to get up and down, uh, this one has to be a sidearm, uh, those things so come so natural that there's an instinct involved um, that you, if you have to train it, it's probably not going to get there. But when they walk in the door, if that guy has it, now you work on all those other things and know when it's time, he knows what kind of ball to, to throw. We had that with Andrew Luck. We never had to worry about, uh, teaching him how to make these different throws, like he would just see it. Oh, this one's a fastball. Oh, this one's sidearm. Oh, this one's got to get up and down. Oh, this one's, I'm going to lead the receiver. Oh, this one, I'm going to stop him with the ball. Mm. Those things have to happen in such a, quick, such a quick fashion from the time that you see it, right, between seeing it and anticipating where you have to put it and then making it. And those are all split-second decisions, and this guy does it with ease.
4: Oh, Coach David Shaw, that that is great stuff. It is such good stuff. Hey, uh, former staff Coach David Shaw, we thank you so much for joining us. And from this point on, you will be remembered as the man who tried to sneak Josh Dobbs in on a baseball scholarship and didn't get it. Baseball scholarship thanks so much, Coach. (laughs) Coming up next on the NFL report, it's gotta be maybe is Lamar Jackson a leading candidate for the MVP. Oh, we have Jeff Chedia and the first read coming up next on the NFL report.
2: Visit LiveNation.com slash to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul. Some 41, 30 seconds from Mars. Oh, and two-door cinema club.
5: Uh, if we plan like that, we don't even need to hit no peak or stride. Just keep staying locked in how we are and just plan every opponent the same way. You know, physicality, um, being smart, uh, and defending what's ours, you know, our home turf.
4: Well, was Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson after the Ravens put a 37-3 beatdown. On the Seattle Seahawks, and James, we are now joined by Jeff Chidia, who finished writing his first read column, NFL.com slash first read. And, Jeff, the first thing out of the gate you talk about is Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. And even though last week you were riding with the Bengals kind of (laughs) hard, you're seeing that the Ravens are that He hasn't left the Bengals yet. Oh, I I, 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 want to hear because the first thing I read was how the Ravens are that team.
7: Yeah, you know what? It, scary it, I'm thing? still right with the Bengals, but <laughs> when you beat up on Seattle and the same way you beat up on Detroit, I I, I it's hard to pick against you. Yeah. I still believe the Bengals will be in the mm-hmm. mix with the championship. You'll know, be a hot playoff team, but right now, when you beat Detroit and Seattle by a combined score of 75 to 9. You're doing a lot of things right. And I, and I look at the Ravens. <laughs> I've been very skeptical of them throughout the year just because that whole new offense they were trying to get going, didn't start quickly. The defense has been it's was, was, been great, but they've always been pretty good on defense. And it just felt like, okay, there's just more better storylines. Miami was six year early. Cleveland had the great defense. Obviously, Buffalo Bills started fast. But you look at what they're doing now and the way they're beating up on teams, they've got everything you want to win a championship. And that's, you mm-hmm. know, Lamar's playing at an MVP level. They ran the ball down Seattle's throat. Seattle had a pretty good run defense into that game and the defense. Again, Mike McDonald has quietly become a very hot head coaching candidate based on what he's done with his defense. Got players at all different levels. I love the Ravens, and really, I don't think it's close right now for second place. Oh. Yeah, when you put up oh. 515 yards
0: and, and you give up a 151, that's a hard thing for me to say because the numbers are all jumbled in a sense. <laughs> Uh, and the way this game went, you know, five fifteen to one five one, yeah. But it, it, we were raving about this Seahawks defense with Brian Baldinger on last Thursday, Steve. Right on this yep. show, yeah. And they just went and just out-physicaled them up and down the football field. And I think the biggest part about this is, right, Jeff, it's not all on Lamar's shoulders right now. And I think that's a huge thing for him personally and for this offense as it continues to grow and as this team continues to be even upset after victories like they were after they beat Arizona a week ago and they were just livid about the way they played against the Cardinals. That's kind of the standard they're holding themselves to. You mentioned Mike McDonald. I want to talk about your, your mid-season awards, which were different. Everybody has to read this article because they're different than the ones that you see really on any other platform. Jeff, the, unconventional, the, the, unconventional the unconventional mid The unconventional mid-season <laughs> I awards. I love it. You had him as, one, as, as your assistant coach, right, on the defensive yep. side of the ball on the mid-season yep. award, Mike McDonald?
7: Yep, yep. He was my guy, and it was a tough one. That was the toughest selection I had to make because you're talking about Schwartz in Cleveland. You're talking about what Steve Spagnolo's done mm. with the Kansas City Chiefs defense. But Mike McDonald, man, the numbers do not lie. I mean, they're giving up 13 points a game. They're, they're first in yards allowed. They're great against the run. They're great against the pass. And really, when he came from Michigan last year, you know, it took a while to get used to what he was doing because they had a ton of injuries, obviously, and they were changing up some things from a communication standpoint. Mm-hmm. But again, they've got so much talent in that Roquan Smith mm-hmm. trait. You know, from the Bears last year, it, it, it was a big deal then. It's an even bigger deal now because it's solidified the middle of their defense, at linebacker. And now it's just like they can scheme up so much. They got so many guys that can rush the passer. The back end is strong. Geno Smith steps in for Marcus Williams. It was a big-time free agent acquisition, and he's leading the league in interceptions. They're just hitting on all cylinders right now. And, my God, when you're that deep, they're the Ravens of old with an offense. That's what yeah. makes them scared. Yeah.
4: yeah, I mean, yeah, to have a guy like Geno Stone come in and step in and play the way he's playing, that goes to speak to character development, you know, player accountability, and things like that. Real quick, JP,
0: who is, who is your defensive assistant that you think on that defensive side is a guy? I kind of screwed up this one. I said Steve Spagnuolo because the way that Chiefs defense is playing, but then right there, I, I I don't know why I didn't think about it when Jeff drops Jim Schwartz on us, and I'm like, Schwartz has been my guy. All year. I don't know why I picked Spags over Schwartz, so I'm going to change it last minute. Hopefully the graphic doesn't care, but I'm going with Schwartz. And then let's jump to the offensive side. I'm going to go Bobby Slowick. We were just talking about C.J. Stroud. You guys know that with a rookie quarterback, a rookie quarterback, they have the fewest turnovers in the NFL as an offense, just five turnovers one interception four fumbles to protect the football and play like they are that's also uh because we're gonna have bobby on the show on thursday so i hope he's watching um <laughs> i, I want to give him his, his flowers in a sense but laramie tunsel was on this show jeff and said he is already in his eyes bobby slowick one of the best offensive coordinators in football and this is a guy that people outside of houston and san francisco probably have no idea what he looks like
4: yeah and jeff before we get to your offensive guy i mean what I, I mean i'm going with bobby slowick too um you know, no one knew who he was. Yeah. He, he's doing this. But slow train. But defensively, I, I've got to go to Aaron Glenn, the DC in, in Detroit. I mean, last year, first eight games they were terrible. They tightened it up the back nine games last year. This year, they're one of the best defenses in the NFL, one of the youngest defenses in the NFL. So again, I, I can understand why this is so tough for you. But let's get to your offensive most unconventional award winner, the assistant coach,
7: Brian Johnson, Philadelphia Eagles, and okay. they take Ooh. so much heat because of. Of a ride every look, I think whatever you set the bar high with, with Shane Steichen running your offense, it's hard to come in as the next guy mm-hmm. and prove yourself and be loved. But you look at the numbers there, and it's like they've been just as good, if not better, in some areas. You know, they're, they're still good, they're still great in the red zone. They're still putting up a lot, a ton of points, number of explosive plays. Yeah, Jalen Hurts is not running the football the way he used to, but one, he's been banged up. And two, I think they're trying to get away from some of that stuff, trying to be more selective in how they use him. Running the football play. As far as the numbers show, I mean, she's done everything you would want an offense to do. Only place they're not really good at offense is really in pass protection win rate. But aside from that, they're pretty good offensively. And she's the guy who's getting you done for an eight and one team. Well, here's a great thing, too,
4: in your comments. It's unconventional. You have the best return on investment, which is basically an offseason transaction uh, that, that, that the team made. So let's look at your offensive
7: and defensive players. Who you got? I got Derek Carr on offense, and again, mm. that was a tough one because I wanted to go to okay. Andre Swift, but didn't want to have too many Eagles in there. But Derek Carr is giving the Saints <laughs> what they need. I know it started slow there, and they were, they get scored 50 points in the first four games in the season, but they're sitting here in first place. They still are in a very good position to win this division. He's the best quarterback in the division by far. And by it was far. wanted somebody to come in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. by far. So when he came in there. He just stabilized things. I think that's a great thing with that franchise. And on the flip side of it, on the defensive side, Bobby Wagner. You talked about that Seattle defense last Ooh, week? No, last week. With, with, yeah, with, with uh, uh, I forget who it was. Who does Yeah, we, have, we, were <laughs> we were down with Baldy. We Baldy? with Baldy. With Baldy. It's like, you look at what he's done at 33, has not slowed down a bit. And he was a one year, $5 million uh, signing, and he's, one of the league leaders in tackles. Obviously, he's a great locker room presence. But that defense has flipped so much from last year because of his presence and guys like Jordan Brooks and Jamal Adams. But Bobby Wagner has not slowed down a bit. Scary what he's been able to do. I love it. I'll give mine real quick. I, I am
0: from Philadelphia, so I'll go DeAndre Swift, giving up a fourth round pick. Uh, to get a guy who's third in the NFL and rushing right now. I understand that's why you were debating between him and Derek. I mean, what he's done in that running game is taken over the position from the other guys that they also brought in in this offseason. And then on the defense side of the ball, guys, I'll go with Jadevian Clowney off the street, for a deal that's up to $6 million, not even $6 million guaranteed for what he's done in this Ravens defense. Just another piece, as Jeff was talking about, the middle of the defense with Roquan Smith, where they've been able to line him up, up on that defensive side of the, uh, the variety of spots on that defensive line. He's been able to wreak havoc in a sense and be disruptive even if numbers aren't there.
4: Yeah, J.J.P., you and I are taking the same position. They're so going with Zedaria Smith over at Cleveland with your guy Jim Schwartz. Mm. So he, he's not putting up these Good astronomical point. numbers. Right, but he is doing something to fit into this defense so other guys can eat. And just having that presence right there has really helped out that defense. And then offensively, even though he's been nicked up lately, running back David Montgomery with the Detroit Lions—the fact he gives him that power game—you're seeing Jameer Gibbs, Gibbs giving them that all everything game. But now they got a power runner. He's got six rushing touchdowns. He's got almost 400 yards rushing on 94 carries. That's the type of running back you need when they get to some cold weather playoff games. We got a perfect complement of stuff right there, Jeff. Another great first read episode, and that wasn't unconventional. Just your awards were so. We appreciate you. Right. We look forward to seeing you next Monday. Like and, and JP, you know it was unconventional. The Raiders getting to win, what? And then partying like it's nineteen ninety nine. Afterwards, we come back, we're going to talk (laughs) to Raiders and maybe short-lived, but these guys are
1: happy. On the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower...
2: No!
7: Hey, 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 like we talked about it, man. Blank sheet, new chapter, we writing our own script. Write our own script, man. That's just one step, man. You guys know how this shit go. But more importantly, man, this is about us. This is about you. You guys made up your minds, what we was going to do, and we did it. Exactly what the we said, and then we did it. Hey, man, I know the coaches, the whole organization, the whole building is proud of more importantly, I'm happy for you guys. That was rough the last two weeks. The biggest window, the front window. And guess what? Every door we go into, we're kicking that from now on. But no thanks about it, man. Hey, Amen. You know what this time is? I'll see you
0: Welcome back to the NFL report. That is Antonio Pierce, the interim head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, and Steve. That was some locker room, some post game speech. That you may maybe you thought your audio was cutting in and out. I think there was a lot of bleeps in that uh, in that speech right there from the Raiders putting it out there. But your initial thoughts when you saw everything that the Raiders themselves put out on their social media accounts after this win, and from players like Max Crosby putting things out on their own account.
4: Okay, so here, here's my initial thought. I mean, because there were 10 different videos of joy and celebration from the Raiders. Coming from the team's account, which basically told me that they had been let out of jail. The overabundance of joy. And you, for our podcast listeners, you heard it. For our television viewers, you watched it. You saw smiles on their faces, not just because they dusted a bad Giants team, because it was fun again for them. Look, James, it may be fleeting. They may lose the rest of their games, but in that Mm -hmm. moment, those people with that organization got to experience joy, and it told me that there had been none of that all season
0: long leading up to that point. You heard Antonio Pierce's speech right there, Steve. What did he say? I know what you guys have been through the last two weeks. (laughs) The last two weeks. I mean, it wasn't just what you've been through the last couple of days since Tuesday when Josh McDaniels was fired. It was what you've been through the last couple of weeks. So obviously he's really conveying everything that in everybody in that room knew what was going on. And what oftentimes happens, Steve's, is when head coaches are let go, players feel guilty, players feel like it is my fault, we didn't perform up to our standards, and it is our fault that our head coach lost his job. That was not the vibe in the Raiders locker room. (laughs) We'll see what happens moving forward with the rest of the season for the Las Vegas Raiders. But there's not much more of NFL Report coming up, so... See you guys later. For Steve Weich, I'm James Palmer. Make sure you listen and watch
1: anywhere possible. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, You're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you
0: our kids have said to us since we've moved to minnesota we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere
1: else we've ever lived moving to minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us
2: just this overall sense of community of values that you know minnesotans have
3: it's a real accepting loving community especially with two young kids